Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. Welcome to that Davis show. And I'm fortunate enough to be joined by Ryan Talbot, a writer for nyup.com and also syracuse.com and co-host of Shout, the Buffalo Bills football podcast is joining us as we continue our NFL preview, the AFC East this time. So we're definitely going to talk about the Bills and talk about a player that I had in the draft that a lot of people in Chicago was disrespecting me when I was like, I would select this quarterback and talk about the rest of the AFC East and, of course, our Bears. Ryan, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. So listen, to pat myself on the back and break my arm, um, I was a Josh Allen guy, right? And I remember uh, talking to some experts here that were raving about Baker Mayfields, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, nah, give me the Josh Allen kid. You know what I'm saying? Like just the cannon in the arm. So, so I want to ask you this. What did you initially think about the Bills drafting Josh Allen, but also looking at last year? Because, listen, I I had him. I didn't think he was going to be second runner-up in the MVP race as fast or at all. Let me say that. So what do you think of his progression, and where do you think he needs to go next? Well, first and foremost, it was a bold move by the Buffalo Bills when they ended up drafting Josh Allen. Uh, The team had made the playoffs the year before that. Tyrod Taylor was in at quarterback. It was Sean McDermott's first year as head coach. But they still knew that they needed a a long-term option at quarterback. So they actually moved up twice that year in the draft. They they traded away Cody, uh, Cordy Glenn, I should say, to move up into about 12, if I remember correctly, and then from 12 to 7 to take Allen. And at that point, three-quarter... Uh, you, you already had Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold off the board. So you, you were wondering who's it going to be out of those last three quarterbacks. Was it going to be Josh Allen? Was it going to be Josh Rosen? Or was it going to be Lamar Jackson? Uh, perhaps is a little bit of a wild card there because Jackson was moving up on a lot of the mock drafts at that time. But Allen had a lot of uh, the intangibles that you need in Buffalo. You need that big arm, especially come November, December, January. Uh, y- you know, you needed that prototypical size. He was he had some comparisons to Ben Roethlisberger from when Roethlisberger uh, first had started out. I think a lot of people forget just how talented uh, Roethlisberger was with his arms, but even a, a little bit in terms of maneuverability when he yep. first came out as well. So, y- you know, but there was the accuracy issues. And... and I understand that. I know that in in a lot of cases, quarterbacks don't improve on that. But the Bills felt really comfortable with Allen. And they knew that the work that he was going to put in uh, would help him make some strides year by year. But, you know, to to what you said, I don't know how many people thought that Allen was going to finish second in MVP voting last year. I think a lot of Bills fans are expecting that year two to year three leap. But that leap was a lot more significant than people, I I think, uh, were expecting. Yeah, you see our very own Mitch Trubisky is coming to get some of that sauce, it seems like. But I want to focus on Allen before I get to Mitch. I mean, when you think about one of the last things you saw Josh Allen do in 2019 was basically get a ton of negative yards in a playoff game. All right. Just like it. I mean, it got really bad real quick in the second half of that playoff game. And to just make that leap, who outside of Josh himself, who gets most of the credit for that? The offensive coordinator or McDermott? 
Ooh, uh, you know, actually, there's a few. I, I think Brian Dable deserves his fair share of credit. Uh, I think Ken Dorsey in Buffalo, the quarterback's coach, deserves his mm. fair share of credit as well. I think that uh, Dorsey is the 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 person who is kind of lying in wait for when Brian Dable eventually gets that head coaching job. I think Dorsey will get it. And, and then outside of the Bills organization, Jordan Palmer deserves a ton of credit. Every offseason – Josh Allen has worked with Jordan Palmer. Uh, Palmer has, has put a lot of work into Allen, doing some biometrics, looking at you know the movement of his upper body and lower body, getting that in sync. And, and a lot of that, obviously, uh, paid off for Allen last year. And then, of course, with, with Brandon Bean also acquiring Stephon Diggs, it never hurts to add a number one wide receiver to an offense where in that playoff game that you were mentioning, uh, Duke Williams, a player who's been on the pre- who was on the practice squad last year, uh, was their leading uh, target in terms uh, of passes. So that kind of tells you it's night and day between where they were to where they currently are in that wide receiver room. Listen, we uh, of course you know we're in the NFC North, so we we saw a lot of Stephon Diggs, but you saw him alongside Adam Thielen. So you definitely looked at him as a, the number one. Some of us looked at him as number one and Thielen as the number two. But I don't know if you looked at him as the one one that he was last year. What was it like having a phenomenal? I mean, you looked at him as just being a range, a deep threat. But he showed last year that he can do everything. What was that like having that type of phenomenal number one receiver to go along with your top flight quarterback? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch because, you know, the, the one thing that Diggs does exceptionally well is his route running. And, and when you have an elite route runner, it makes the life easier for the quarterback. So with, with Stefan Diggs being your number one, uh, with Cole Beasley in the slot, again, another elite route runner, you know, it made life a little bit easier for Josh Allen because he knew that those guys are going to get some separation. They're going to give me some uh, a wide area for me to throw. Now, to Allen's credit, he didn't need that wide gap or that area. He was able to fit in some passes into tight windows uh show off exceptional touch into some games last year and then obviously the accuracy was off the charts this was not wide receivers having to come back and make exceptional plays on the ball it was allen putting the ball right where it needed to be so it was a little of a mix there but from Diggs himself yeah just a, an outstanding route runner first and foremost that David show with Ryan Talbot. Follow him at Ryan Talbot Bills. I want to get to Cole Beasley, but in a roundabout way, I want to talk about Deion Watkins and his battle with COVID-19 and him kind of talking about the fact that he had only had his second dose for two weeks before he got sick and being short and having shortness of breath, chills, a fever and being in the hospital. Like how how does that affect this team? Because here the Sox, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the White Sox. I know you're on the East Coast. All right, the Sox. Um, we have we have a player that you may know about. I don't know if you follow the Red Sox or not, uh, that they trade this out. One of the players that got in the Chris Sale trade, uh, Yoan Mankata. Yoan Mankata got affected before baseball resumed last year. And a lot of people were down on him. And w- one of the things I told them is he had COVID. So we don't know if something that's as unknown as COVID, how the body is going to bounce back and how each body reacts to coming back. Because, you know, you can have long symptoms and stuff like that so how does that how is Deion Dawkins illness going to affect this team because he lost 10 pounds um you're talking about your left tackle this I mean this isn't this isn't like a receiver where you can be able to hide something because you know what route you're running you're engaging at hike every go rip what do you think is going to happen with Deion Dawkins as far as his health this season because I'm sure it's, it's important we just talked about Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen and you want somebody to cover Josh Allen's butt 
Well, hey, you know, that's the million dollar question. We need to wait and see how this affects Deion Dawkins in the regular season. Uh, he says that he feels he can be ready for week one between now and then. He, he's kind of returned last week a little bit, and then he was actually in a lot of the 11 on 11 work uh, yesterday. And he, he actually looked very good to his credit. He, he looked like he was holding his own at that position, and he's been very good in that role. But you're right. We don't know how it's going to affect him long term, how it's going to affect him on a game by game basis in terms of snaps that he can play he could be winded uh but you know at any point in that game and they might have to put someone else in uh, a rookie in spencer brown for instance uh and give him some reps on a week-by-week basis until dawkins feels like he can truly go 100 percent of the snaps because th- that's what they really do need out of him you know and dawkins is not the first bills player to uh see some lasting effects with covid now we, we don't know if he's going to have lasting effects into the season but he was hospitalized for four days uh, shortness of breath you know hot cold uh, he mentioned a lot of the different side effects that he had but last year their third string tight end Tommy Sweeney uh, had COVID and then he was actually out for the season because it led to him having a, a minor heart condition so Whoa. you know Sweeney's back in the mix this year for a roster spot he, he was able to return to the field but the, the Bills have seen firsthand how it can affect players uh, in terms of not just short term but long term Real quick on that, um, your 53-man roster is out. Everybody go check that out. What round was Spencer Brown drafted in just to, to know what type of talent level people kind of predicted for him just so I, we, we can know what round was he drafted in? Yeah, third round. Third okay, round. That's, not a bad, that's not a bad tackle. You expect something from a third round third round tackle. Oh, okay. All right, Bills. I see what you're doing. We don't have any tackles here, just so you know. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to do seven on seven here. We're, like Everybody knows now that tackles are passe. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just so you know you guys can get to the, the new groove because we're in a bad situation here. I don't know if you heard the Tevin Jenkins news. Yes. Uh, yeah, It's but that's Chicago. When it comes to drafting tackles early, they get hurt before they even play for the Chicago Bears. All right, speaking oh. of, I know. Speaking of playing for the Bears, um, yeah, you guys got someone on your team that uh, some Chicago fans held in high regard and finally had to let go of that dream last season, and that's Mitchell Trubisky. How has Mitch been in camp? Uh, I, I won't. I won't say attitude wise because Mitch never had a bad attitude. Mitch isn't a bad person. That's not. We don't want that that type of narrative to be created. Uh, he did a lot of stuff in the community. Uh, but how has his play been? And has ha- have you seen him, I don't know, be able to really adapt to the system, but not just adapt to the system, being able to implement it during practices and during the times in his first preseason game? Yeah, I think he's the clear-cut number two quarterback. And uh, in that first preseason game, he only attempted two passes. The Bills really came out with a let's-get-the-run-game-going type of game plan, get Devin Singletary going. Because last year, they didn't really lean on the run whatsoever. It was a very pass-happy offense. And while I expect that to be the same this year, they want to have a little bit more balance there. But I also thought that the fact that he only attempted two passes just showed that the Bills had seen enough in practice through training camp He's had some really strong practices. He's, lo- he's looked pretty good. He's come in with a positive attitude. He, he met with the media recently, and he said, you know, his first goal was to find a starting job this offseason. He goes, there, there weren't as many opportunities as you would expect. So then after that kind of went away, the next thing was, well, what's a good situation for me? And Buffalo is a really good situation for him, first and foremost, because Brian Dable is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Uh, he can learn from him this year. 
and not just this year, if Brian Dable gets a head coaching job somewhere next season, mm. who's he likely to take with him as his stopgap quarterback? Mitch Trubisky. Right. Generally speaking, when, when a new coach gets hired, that team needs a quarterback. It's not 100% of the time, but more more times than not. So I think Trubisky's a guy that's, hey, I get a year to learn this offense get that experience under my belt and then, you know, come next season, I might be this guy's starting quarterback somewhere else in the league. And, and that gives me a chance to, to start a new start fresh somewhere else. Hopefully it works out like that because we don't wish to worst on Mitch. It was just Ryan Pace made a, a bad mistake by moving up and selecting him. I did forget this. I, I want to talk about Cole Beasley and his comments about vaccinations and COVID and how, just how does that affect the team? from, I guess, their mindset, but also from the fact that now we know that teams will, will will lose a game if one of the players that are unvaccinated catches COVID during that week. So, how does, so financially, it affects his teammate, but how has his, his comments affected the team and how does the community kind of react towards it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there were a lot of questions about how to be taken in the locker room and the the Bills kind of shared this video of all the players coming back for training camp and all of them were coming up to Cole Beasley, giving him big hugs, embracing him. He's very popular in the locker room. And, to, you know, and again, to his credit, he came out and said, I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of players who don't have the seniority in this league that don't have that. They haven't played in the league for many, many years. And they're afraid that if they speak there, uh, if they speak up, they might get released. They might not get that opportunity. And, I, you know, obviously not just in, in Buffalo's locker room, but there are a lot of players who have not received the vaccination. While there are many teams that are at that 80, 90, and then one team yesterday getting that 100% threshold, there are many teams that I think are going to hover in that 80 range all season, which might end up being where the Bills are because Beasley's not the only person in this locker room who feels that way. I don't think it has uh, any effects in terms of the chemistry in this locker room. They are all with that mindset of, hey, you know, we have Super Bowl expectations this year, but you, you raised a great point. What happens if it, if it ends up not just in Buffalo, but anywhere in this league, if a team has to forfeit a game? All of a sudden, that that could raise some issues across the league. So it, it will be interesting to see how that comes about, if it comes about last year, because, you know, the NFL had a little bit of a buffer win window last year to kind of move games around. They, they don't seem like they're going to go out of their way to do that this year. What about the defense? Because And this is a two-part question, because you brought up something. I, sometimes I feel like, Buffalo has a good defense. And then it's like, wait, is it just a situational defense? But you brought up the Devin Singletary. And I remember two years ago when he got drafted, because I believe this is his third season that he'll be entering. It seemed like he was going to be one of those guys you could depend on. I know he was, I believe, nicked up last year. But as you said, it's a pass-happy offense. And going back to defense, you need time for the defenders to be off the field. And a lot of times, if you have a pass-happy offense, the defenders are going to be on the field. Even if you're scoring, defenders are going to be on the field a lot lot more often than you would necessarily want. What are some of the deficiencies – that you look at. And I still want to talk about the defense and Devin Singletary, but as the team, because with a team with, with championship aspirations, the last thing you want is to not play fundamental football, even though everyone loves passing the football around. Yeah, you know, the defense took a little bit of a step back last year, despite the offense being uh, unbelievable. And maybe it was because they're on the field a lot more because some of those Bills drives went pretty quickly when they put up points. But first and foremost, last year, I think their struggles started on the defensive line because they were missing Star Latula in the middle, that one technique that could take on two blockers, free things up for the other linemen, as well as some of the linebackers. So when teams were able to use the run against the Bills, the Bills did struggle in some games. You go back to that first Chiefs game and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was very very successful in that matchup. Um, 
that obviously has been um you know the issue is no longer there with Latula coming back this year. The Bills really invested on that defensive end position in the draft. Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham the year before that, AJ Epinesa in round two. So the defensive line's looking really good. I would say if there's one issue with this team, it might be cornerback depth. They have Tre'Davious White as their number one. There's a competition going on for that number two spot. I would say that veteran Levi Wallace uh, is in the in the lead for that number two cornerback job, and and he's someone that's kind of won the job year after year after year the last few seasons with then you have Dane Jackson you have Taryn Johnson Saran Neal who's more of a special team standout but then you know there's some questions after that if one of those guys goes down who's going to step up so you know that's the one area on this defense if if I were to be concerned I would say maybe they need some more cornerback depth what's your prediction for the Bills this season I have them winning 13 games in the regular season, uh, winning the AFC East. I, I think when you look at the rest of the AFC East, there, there's still question marks with every team out there uh, that the Bills will be going against. Miami, I, I expect Tua to make some strides. Uh, their offensive line. He looked better last week, just so you know. He, yeah, he oh, yeah, watched. Yeah, you know, he got all the way down to the end zone, then he threw that pick, and I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> guy. Tool. Uh, yeah, but I think they're going to be a little bit better offensively. There are still some questions about their offensive line. I know they just uh, made a trade, but there was a lot of issues with them letting up sacks recently. Jets, I still think roster-wise, aren't there yet. Patriots have their own interesting quarterback competition going on. So when you look across uh, the entire roster for this for all these teams, it just feels like the Bills have the strongest roster and, and with a little bit of a, a gap in there, too, between the Bills and the next team. Who's the next team? Right now, I would say the Dolphins are the next team. Uh, you know, they're coming off of a season where they were playing for a playoff spot in week 17. Obviously, didn't go their way with the Bills blowing them out 56 26. Uh, but they were on the threshold of making it last year. And, and like I said, if, if Tua can make some strides from his rookie year to year two, which I think one, quarterbacks generally do that. But two, they've added some weapons for him at wide receiver. I like Mike Gusecki at tight end. I I think that they're that clear number two team in this division. Now, maybe Mac Jones will shock me, and maybe he'll be that quarterback in New England because I love New England's defense. They're very talented, but I definitely have some questions on the offensive side of the ball for that team. And like I said, the Jets are still missing some pieces on both sides of the ball. Definitely with the Jets. But I have to ask you a a Mac Jones question. You guys are coming from having – the GOAT of quarterbacks in your division for 20 years, right? And I'm living in a world where I've had 30 years of excellence from the Green Bay Packers under center position, Mm. right? So the hopes is Jordan Love, and I wish him the the best in a way, but the hopes is he's not going to continue on the legacy of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Is there a fear that it looked like like last year, it it looked like you guys had a window for maybe five to ten years, right? And finally, that beast that's New England is it's over with because Tom Brady has left. But Mac Jones falls to them at 15. And I guess also I want to know your draft night thoughts. Mac Jones falls to them at 15. And before you know it, perhaps next year, New England may be back at it as a real top competitor in this division when it looked like the, the Bills finally could be living the 90s again as far as the Marv Levy era. You know what I'm saying? And just you because know, I, I love those Bills from the 90s. I, w- I still wish they just had won one. You know what I'm saying? Just one. You just because people don't know how great they were because they lost all four. But it was a great team. But but yeah, how does that feel to know that 
New England may be back on your, your, you guys' butts before you know it. You knew it. Yeah, you know, if Mac Jones ends up being the real deal, uh, they obviously could. Starting even this year, they could compete for that division. Now, I was not high on Mac Jones, if I'm being quite honest. I was obviously a huge fan of Trevor Lawrence. I think everyone is. And then after that, I had Trey Lance next. I think Lance uh, had to had to end up throwing a great situation, which obviously did in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds right. in, in this game. So I, I think that that's going to benefit him. And then I was kind of, you know, I, I there's, oh, you're being very lot. disrespectful right now, Ryan. I want you to know that you're being very disrespectful. <laughs> well, well, I, I had Fields next. I, okay. I really did like Fields. Um, and, you know, the worst part about draft season are all those anonymous sources. And it felt like there were reports coming out about his leadership and this, that, and the other. And then there's teammates and coaches standing up for the guy. Uh, so I had Fields third. Remember, when, you, when you're looking at this, you can't just look at the college careers. you got to look at those intangibles. And, and while I really like what Fields brings to the table, you know, Lance, the rocket arm, he, he – in some ways, he reminded me of Josh Allen, not across the board, but some similarities there. But yeah, then I had Fields and then I kind of had Wilson and, and Mac Jones in that next tier down with Wilson slightly ahead of him. So I wasn't buying the hype that the 49ers were going to be all in on Mac Jones, which was obviously obviously a very popular storyline leading up to the draft. Would he have fit their system? Sure. I think Shanahan could get the best out of any of those quarterbacks in this I draft. Uh, but I'm, I'm just not sold on him necessarily. I want to see what he can do. The accuracy is going to be there, but you need more than just accuracy to make it in the NFL. Mm. True. Definitely true. So sticking with our team here from the outside looking in, what do you expect from the Bears this season and moving forward? You disrespectfully had our quarterback <laughs> number three. Uh, even though I, 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 me and Ryan were big Trey Lance guys. We started two years ago. We were big Trey Lance guys because we didn't think the Bears would be able to get at that point, be able to get um, um, Justin Fields because he was looked at as being either 1A or 1B to Trevor Lawrence. Um, so we lucked into it, and we were the people spreading those rumors that brought his draft stock down, <laughs> just so you know. But, yeah, on outside looking in, what do you what, what do you like and dislike about the Bears this season and moving forward? Well, you know, in terms of the dislikes, it's the offensive line, like you mentioned. They ended up getting rid of a good offensive tackle before they had to this offseason. Uh, and I get it. You, you draft Trev, uh, Tevin Jenkins and you expect him to come in, but then injuries happen in this game. So that, that's one thing I, I don't like. I, I like some of the weapons uh, that Fields has, uh, I, I, you know, Looking at Allen Robinson, I'm a huge Allen Robinson guy. I think that he's really good for him in terms of having uh, a solid receiver option there. Uh, looking at the running game, David Montgomery really came on strong last year. Tariq Cohen's coming back. So something to lean on there. And then obviously on the defensive side of the ball, UB guy, uh, Khalil Mack there in Chicago. <laughs> That's never a bad thing to have uh, someone that can be disruptive for you week in and week out. Definitely, definitely. And listen, Ryan, we definitely appreciate it. Everyone follow Ryan and Ryan Talbot Bills. Uh, great work for NY Up and also the Syracuse.com. And he's the co-host of the Bills Shout Podcast. Ryan, really appreciate it. You have a terrific day, man. Great stuff. Enjoy chatting with you. Hey, thanks for having me on. No doubt.